0: And welcome to the Board Game Dojo Podcast. My name is Eric. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Whether it is your first time listening, you listen to every episode or somewhere in between. I sincerely, sincerely, sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our little podcast podcast today for the second time this week i am not alone in recording and today's guest is our monthly co-host all the way from the uk we have ben from travelgames.co.uk ben how is it going over there
1: it's good yeah Um, we're busily packing away lots of uh, boxes in to- in anticipation of uh, the tokyo game market boxes um it's horrible and stormy at the moment, so you might get a bit of crackling on my end as the rain and the wind hits the window, Um, so that's perfect weather for board games and packing them up in boxes.
0: You know what, I guarantee that the sound quality is better than what we tried the other day. Uh, Jaina and I tried recording on Discord using the Craig bot, and let me tell you what, I did not realize how bad of an idea that was until I was sound editing, and (laughs) I hope I salvaged that as much as possible. But yeah, bringing up the Tokyo Game Market boxes is actually partly why we're here. And this episode is going to be a tale of two halves. In the first half of the episode, we are going to be talking about all the latest hotness. Really, we are going to be talking about some of the games from Tokyo Game Market. I think people all over the world and their game shops that they might frequent are starting to get those packages from Tokyo Game Market arriving. So people are starting to talk and play some of those latest hotness. So we're going to be reviewing some of them. But in the second half of the episode, we are really going to be talking more about the Tokyo Game Market boxes themselves, answering some frequently asked questions and really giving you a little bit of information. Because if you are listening to this on the Release date. Those Tokyo game market boxes will go on sale the next. Day. This podcast is being released on Thursday and the game market boxes are going live on Friday. So this is just a little bit of information for you in case you are interested in it. But if you're not, hey, you at least still have a half of an episode to listen to because we're doing some game reviews. And I think that's enough of me talking. I need a sip of some tea. So, Ben, you are our guest. Why don't you start off with the first game that you are going to talk about today?
1: Okay. so um, the first game i'm gonna uh, start off with is a game called attract um it's a two-player game uh reminds me a little bit of hanamikoji and it's done i should I always forget to say the designer and the artist which is bad uh so it was designed by misato uesagi i hope that's right uh and the arts by hinami tsukuda the art is very similar to what you might see on a sashi and sashi game I th- got, yeah, they're very close together in how they draw their characters. Um, and that artist has also done some other games like um, Go With a Stroller. Um, it's, it's very kind of uh, distinctive art style. Um, so like I say, it's a two-player game, uh, very similar to Hanumikoji. Uh There's not many cards to it. Um, I think there's six. Um, and they all depict different gods. Uh, and then there's also certain tokens which are the same on the back, but they're different suits and ranks on the other side. Um, the discs are called Oinari tiles. Uh, I'm not sure what Oinari means. Um, Eric, have you got any ideas what, what this is or whether I'm even pronouncing it right?
0: Uh, it usually means to pray or to wish. So it kind of depends on the context, but probably pray.
1: Okay, so that that makes sense because what we're trying to do here is we're trying to attract the gods that are on the table in these five cards that are laid out. There's one that's missing, and you're trying to attract them to your side with different kind of two-card poker hands is the best way to put it. So you have no pairs, straights, flushes, pairs, and straight flushes, depending on the combination of the colors and the numbers of these Oinari tiles. Um, So they live in the middle. Um, On your turn, you can either look at two of them Uh, and then return one of them face up so the uh, other player can see what it is as well. Or you can place one, so you could take either a face down one or a face up one, place it onto your side on one of the corners of the gods, and once all four corners of a god are filled with these little tiles, uh, you compare poker hands from your side and their side of the card. Whoever wins that one takes the points for that god to their side of the table. At the end of the game, whoever has the most points for gods... uh, wins that round or that um, turn and then shuffle it up and you play again. So yeah, it's kind of like a very compact version um, of something like Battle Line or Hanamakoji is is very much where it feels.
0: I have like one question, but first I think this is one of those designers that I think a lot of people who are not like even familiar with Japanese games might know this designer, but not the name. Um, This is the same designer behind Paper Tales and Welcome to the Dungeon and Welcome Back to the Dungeon and
1: durian from oink games from oink yeah yeah the other thing that i would say is the art on it is very nice the front cover is like kind of stained glass looking um, but the thing that like there's not been any kind of compromise in build quality of anything like the cards are really nice The tokens are really nice the rules are on an actual board like a board you would move pieces on rather than on a sheet of paper huh. so When and it's double sided, it says an English side and a Japanese side. So when you're playing the game the first time, it sits nicely on the table and doesn't like flop around or anything like that. You can just reference it just by glancing over. Um, I've never seen this before in board games before, but actually, I quite like the uh solid rule sheet. Um, I think more people could do something with that.
0: My question would be like Um, that actually kind of links into my question because when you look at the box, it like it leaves an impression because it's just so well made it's just Mm. like really striking is that kind of the same throughout of like the production quality is just much better than you would expect
1: yeah definitely um it's like everything is kind of um linen finished so even the box is linen finished it's a bit shallower than normal so it's quite rigid which is yeah a strange thing to talk about with uh, board games but uh, never mind um, the, the only really weird thing about it is, like, it doesn't have that many components, but the current components it has are very good quality. But they've also included, um, like, printout postcards with the with stained glass art on it, which isn't used in the game, with just kind of samples on it. So it's, like, written of what quality paper it's on. Or huh. uh, there's all sorts of, it, like, all sorts of strange things. Uh, like, they've left in... When you print out cards for um, board games, they get printed out on one big sheet and then a die comes down and cuts them into their chunks, which is why you end up with like 54 cards on a in a poker deck. Um, so, but where they have had those extra cards that they didn't need, they've just printed the attract logo and then whatever gram thickness per meter squared the card is, uh, which is very odd. And they've even made art for that. So huh. it's, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, the game, game itself seems uh, like solid enough and kind of fits that kind of couple's like after work kind of game, um, which is the kind of game uh, myself and Sam play quite a lot of. So. so this is kind of one
0: of those where it's like, okay, you know, my partner and I enjoy, or like my even my gaming partner and I enjoy something, like you said, uh, a battle line or these two player mm. really thinky games that don't take a lot of time. Yeah. That is kind of the the kind of niche that it's in that's kind of the genre that it's in if you will
1: or it it would probably make an excellent restaurant game actually thinking about it because if you try to play hanamakoji at a restaurant whilst your food might be arriving takes over quite a lot of the table whereas this is only five cards in a row which easily fits between your plates and cutlery and whatever else and then these small tokens that go on the corner so like even if your food turns up you haven't got dismantled the game or anything else like that you could chat around it it's not too thinky so mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's quite a nice little social two-player um coffee shop game is probably a good put. Yeah.
0: Oh, that sounds really interesting. I, I know I was blown away by just like that first impression of the box and the art and things like that. So it's nice to hear that it's kind of gonna fill a a part of my collection that I think I am constantly trying to increase the amount of so that Sumachan and I can play these little games. Mm. So I guess up next is going to be me and at first, you're going to be like, uh, Eric, that's not a new game, but I promise you that what I'm talking about is the new part of the game. So I'm going to talk about Harvest, which is a one of the hardest games to look up on BoardGameGeek because there's like 10 different games named Harvest. So you actually have to look it up in Japanese in order to find it. And secondly, this game is from 1992. So you'd be like, oh, all right, this is the new hotness from Tokyo Game Market. It must be the 2023 version or the 2019 version or the 2017 version. No, it's the oldest one. It's 1992. And this was originally created uh, by request from the president of Nintendo so that his kids could play something on the train. So now you're talking about, okay, now you kind of have a good size as to how much space this game takes up because it could go on a train table. So let me tell you a little bit about the game itself. Harvest is a take that game, which hold on, hold on. Stay with me until the review. Even if you're not a fan of that, hold on. So on your turn, you're simply going to play one of your four cards, which are different vegetables, and they might be a varying amount of points. And you're either going to play it on your board one of your opponent's boards, or depending on the player count, there might be a dummy board that you can also play it to. Now, your goal is to try to harvest these vegetables by getting three in a row, kind of like tic-tac-toe. And if there's three in a row of the same vegetable, then whatever cards are in your plots, in your harvest plots, then you take them and they are going to score later. Now, you can put this on anybody's board and you might be asking yourself, well why would I want to give my opponent points? That doesn't really make any sense. Well, I just said that they have varying amount of points. I didn't quite say positive points because a lot of these cards are negative points. And so you might be trying to give your opponent negative points, hence the take that part of the game. Now, there are a couple of special cards that act as wilds, either that it automatically harvests whatever you have or it just gets rid of whatever is in a line. But you will play until the cards run out and everybody has played the cards in their hand. You'll tally up your points and whoever has the most points wins. Now, the reason that I'm talking about a game from 1992 on our section of the show that is supposed to be about all the latest hotness is because at Tokyo Game Market, they released the expansion. And the expansion is oh so easy to add to the game because it's really just a bunch of vegetable meeples, vegetable tokens, that represent the different vegetables in the game. When you trigger a harvest, it doesn't matter where, but if you trigger a harvest, then you take one of the tokens of the vegetable in which you triggered the harvest for. You will then put that in your area. And then at the end of the game, you're basically paying, it's not really like an area majority, but you're trying to get the majority of each of those vegetables. Because for each vegetable that you have more tokens of than anybody else, you score 30 points for that in addition. So that can be a huge swing of the game. You could be down by 30, 40 points. And in the regular game, it's kind of like, oof, that wasn't very close. But with these additional expansion rules in which you go, okay, I got 30, 60, 90 bonus points, suddenly you have completely changed the game and that's all there is to it all of the rules are the same except for just this little bit which is kind of an interesting addition and I guess I'm getting into kind of the review of the game because let me tell you when you tell me that a game is take that there is almost nothing that makes me want to play a game less than that then when you gave me this game and you were like hey this is a good game it's a take that game I just kind of went politely like, ha, 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 great. I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. And then I promptly threw it in my pile to hopefully never have to deal with again. But I did try it just because I mean the art is adorable. Who who can resist a smiling tomato? And I did what keep hanging on about it. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. You were not the cute one that I was that I was thinking about when I was interested in playing Harvest. Okay, Ben. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> but this is surprisingly good. It's better than it has really any right to be and it's and it's more fun than it has any right to be because there's just so many constant opportunities to help yourself and hurt others. And it's just happening on pretty much every single turn that you don't really end up feeling hurt. Like emotionally, when something bad happens to you, there are tons of opportunities and tons of times throughout the game in which you're going to have four negative cards in your hand. And it's like, there's nothing I can do but place this card down. And you know that everybody else is probably in a similar situation. Or you'll do something where somebody will have their entire harvest plot filled up. So you're like, well, I'm throwing in a negative to myself or to another person. And it's just one of those things that I think a lot of the times that. Take That Games kind of don't land with people is when they feel attacked personally. You are going after me. You are ruining my game experience. I am trying very hard to do my best and you are
1: sabotaging me intentionally, right? I think also part of it is in a lot of Take That Games, you can spend eight, nine, 10 turns building up to building, let's say a warehouse. And then in one turn, someone could come and burn that down. Like... (laughs) that is Are you talking about Discworld again? No, I'm not. <laughs> um I'm thinking <laughs> actually talking about if you played like Rivals of Catan for example. That's if you play with certain expansions in it is incredibly brutal where you spend so long gaining resources to build a particular building and then just in one turn someone can destroy it entirely. It's so frustrating. Um whereas with Harvest it's very snappy like building a thing doesn't require anything else it's just play a card. Like if someone destroys your line, that's like one turn gone. It's it's not the end of the world. Um
0: yeah, so and I, a lot I of the time. It, it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a really good point. And there's also the other thing of like there's so many chances for positive points for you to counteract whatever somebody else does that like a lot of the time it'll be like positive 30 points and then somebody will give you a negative 20. So you're still benefiting somewhat from harvesting your area. And then what I think the expansion does is also adds to the factor of just how little the negative cards can actually have, even though like it really hurts when somebody gives you a negative card. And there, of course, are going to be some games in which you score. I mean, the last time Sumachan and I played, I think the score was something like 30 to 180 or something like that. But I ended up almost coming back because of the expansion. Because even though I got so many negative cards... I was the one triggering a lot of the harvest because Sumachan was using her turn to add negative cards to my harvest plot. And then I was the one who was triggering it. Uh, so yeah. what I ended up, even though the raw score before the expansion would have been 30 to 180, I actually won four different vegetables. And so that gave me 120 points. Mm-hmm. So it was just another way to kind of take away a little bit of the menace of a take that game. They usually make people feel bad like you said and feel aggravated because you took so many turns to do this and it also helps with the fact of like there's a little bit of luck in this game and i think that helps keep it light yeah because it's kind of like hey everybody's just doing what they can right but the expansion also helps in the sense of like all right you are dealt a lot of bad cards that maybe aren't going to give you positive points or as much as other people at the table let's give you another way to get points And so it's adding just a little bit of strategy of like, okay, maybe I can't add a ton of positive points here, but I'm going to start triggering harvests everywhere in order to take control of the corn, to take control of the tomatoes, to take control of the cabbage. So I really like the expansion. I don't think I will play it with it every time. I think it's something where I will have people play the normal game first, and then literally starting from the second game, we play with the expansion.
1: Um, I think the other thing I quite like with Harvest is there's one in each suit of a f- positive 40 card, which you immediately, when it appears in your hand, think, Oh, brilliant, this is gonna be amazing. As soon as you put it down on your farm, everyone comes for you. Like <laughs> it it's it's just the target. Like, so the first time you play it, you'll be like, Oh, this is great. Second time, if it turns up in your hand, you'll be like, Oh no. <laughs> Uh, and it then becomes a, a perfect timing kind of thing where you have to leave that empty sl- slot, and the third card down needs to be that highest one. Um, the other thing yep. that I quite like um, is the expansion sounds like it swings quite a lot with the thirty points, but you can. Al- there's also some other swings in there, such as if you've got an empty field at the end of the game, you get positive fifty points, but it's really hard to do. And also if you end up with the Tornadoes or the Farmer in your hand, at the end you get negative 50 points, which is terrible. Um, so there is there is big point swings in the game anyway. Um, and it just kind of it sits nicely in the middle, I think. Um, yeah, for sure.
0: And <laughs> I think this is something that you will know more about because I mostly play this at two
1: or three. Mm-hmm. But you've played the solo mode, correct? I've, I've played it every player count up to, well, yeah, one to six. Um, so it's one of our favorite games um, in that kind of small game capacity anyway. How, did, um, how
0: is the solo mode of
1: this? So the solo mode is a very different experience. I think it could be its own game in its own right. Um, and I would still buy it if even if it was just this is a solo game. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like Space Invaders, even though it doesn't look like Space Invaders in that the ai computer whatever you want to call it um will always place into their fields consecutively from left to right and then down and then left to right like yeah uh, filling in the blanks once the board gets overwhelmed the game is over but how you have to play it differently is you have to get like allow that ai to score big points because if you don't it'll overwhelm your own board So rather than trying to just stitch it with negative points all the time, you have to be willing to give away good points for it. Um, If you don't, it's over very, very quickly. Um, I always recommend, whenever I sell a copy, I always recommend people to try the solo mode. And I've had a few people come back to me and go, how do I even win this? Or how do I even get any points? Like I immediately die on like four turns in. And it's because people like just keep putting in the negative points onto the opponent's side trying to score more points on their side but it's more of a balancing act than that it's about keeping the fields free for as long as possible um to run out your deck so it's more of a balancing mechanism um it's yeah it's really good it's kind of the perfect travel game it packs up small fits on pretty much every table you want to get put it on um the only thing i find difficult with it is shuffling those little square cards um Yep. And anyone who likes sleeving them. Um, I was speaking with Lee from the Portland Game Collective because I convinced him to get it too, even though it's not a trick taker. And uh he immediately tried was like, How do I sleeve this? And we came up with basically you need like mini Euro sleeves or somewhere around that side and then trim the tops off, um, which just sounds like too much hassle to me. So and I'm a heathen who doesn't leave anything, so <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was going to say that this is we're going to get into the sleeve versus non-sleeve debate, which is for another time, I think, because I am definitely pro-sleeve. But um, we were talking in a previous episode about how you introduced us to Discworld because this is a rare 10 out of 10 game for you. And I'm pretty sure this is another one, correct?
1: This is another one. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we've got two of the 10 out of 10s. I think the other one might be Lost Cities, um, which is just purely out of the amount that we've played it. So the other thing with the harvest expansion is that it was a tokyo game market Fall exclusive um we've managed to get some for the tokyo game market boxes and there'll be a very limited amount in the shop but if you can't get one don't worry too much um i've been discussing this with a few people it is in essence 15 cubes or colors or whatever you want it to be so you need uh one for lettuces one for tomatoes one for sweet corn so you know yellow cubes red cubes green cubes add them to your box and you can still play with the expansion even if you can't get the incredibly rare kind of expansion um so you can still add it to your games and if you're feeling particularly healthy um i jokingly suggested that you can go down to the green grocers and get yourself five sprouts some baby sweet corn and some baby tomatoes and then at the end of it you can even eat your pieces uh just don't keep them in the box because it might make things a bit moldy and horrible. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah,
0: good tip. Good tip. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. I was going to try throwing the baby corn back in the box. I'm definitely not eating them. Baby <laughs> corn is the worst vegetable in existence. But that is Harvest. It's originally designed by Morikawa Yukihito. The art is by Inoue Osamu. And it's published now by Four Games. And last, we have one more game to talk about. And you're actually going to add into the discussion that we had in a previous episode about Last Penguin. You want to talk about Last Penguin a little bit.
1: Yeah. So Last Penguin was a bit of a surprise. It is getting quite a lot of talk in some circles, I think. Um, it's a very, very small card game. It does something a bit different, which is always the nice thing with these Tokyo Game Market games, where it, it's not rehashing an old idea. It's kind of something a bit unexpected. Um so you have different cards with different values. Some of them have special powers, I suppose, is the best way to put it. And the kind of gimmick to this is that you look at the card, decide whether you like it or not, put your finger down on it, and then people have like five seconds to put their fingers down on it too. Uh, you can retract your finger at, from the card at any point. Whoever's the last person holding that card takes it into their hand. So that might be positive, that, that might be negative. Um, It might be a special power that makes you remove another person's finger from a card or something else like that. The key things are you can't shuffle the card across the table. Um, You still have to be able to pick up the card from the middle of the deck to flip it over. Um, But other than that, it's basically like it's described as finger twister, um, which is pretty aptly named. But the kind of mind games you can play with people are excellent with it because what you can do is look at a really bad card and if you bring it far, far away from everyone else and put your finger on it very kind of definitively sometimes you can convince people that it's an excellent card as soon as they put the finger on it you just release and then they've got it but sometimes people get not fall for it and then you'll be going oh no does anyone really want to come and join me on this one um it it does quite a lot with a very small deck um as i think was mentioned by you previously was the weird thing about it is the severe lack of penguins <laughs> um so yeah there's a dolphin on the cover something to do with a japanese english phrase book i think i don't know why is it called Last penguin
0: oh oh because it was uh like a business term that is kind of it's not japanglish which is what um, it's called when it's like (laughs) Japanese people using an English phrase. They're trying to, at least. But it's one of those where it's like they thought it was more common that people knew what first penguin, last penguin meant. Okay. It's like it was a more common phrase and it was like, I have never heard that in my life. No. (laughs) But I have seen two of the things in last penguin that have like are interesting things, maybe recent trends in Japanese gaming that I've seen a lot of. And one is like the dexterity element. Is it's like constantly trying to do things with dexterity games that haven't been done before. Whether that's having a baseball bat or a wiffle ball bat come in the box because you're going to be using that as a as a prop for the game, or flipping over Okonomiyaki, which is like a Japanese kind of savory pancake. And that's the whole game is like how well can you flip over the Okonomiyaki? And then now you have okay you have this one where you're just using fingers and doing finger twisters, like just trying to always kind of push the envelope on what people will do with dexterity games. And I mean, the tagline on BGG is also a little bit unfortunate. Have you read it?
1: I haven't. No, I kind of want to, it, just says,
0: it, it just says finger the cards you want to win. And if you have to finger anything to win, like it just sounds a little bit um yeah. different than I think you wanted that to sound. Um, but the second thing is that this is the third game that I've played in the last couple months that has the very slight bluff in which you are going to take your turn and then you either, you will like see some kind of information that the other people at the table do not see. And then you need to give a slight bluff of, okay, you know, this is a really good card. Do I act like it's a terrible card? so that nobody else tries it, or is it a really bad card and I need to act like it's a very good card so that other people try to, you know, touch this card in in Last Penguin, um, but then I can take my finger away. And I've seen that now in this. I've seen it in Tower of Doubt, which is one of the newest Funbrick games from Ethan, Mm -hmm. and I've seen it in Whale to Look. All of them have come out in the last year. I guess Tower of Doubt originally came out a while ago, but it's an interesting new trend of just, like, how to put a bluffing game in that's just a different kind of bluff
1: yeah like putting your finger down so that everyone else joins you and then retracting as fast as you can kind of becomes a very short version of the game spoons you know like you play with a standard deck where there's one less spoon in the middle of the table than there is players and once the set's complete then someone will grab a spoon and everyone else will try and grab one whoever's left without one is then out it's kind of the same kind of thing except you get stitched with a bad card um there's also some like Sushi Go type cards where if you have one, it's good. If you have two, it's bad. Um, so mm, you get positive okay. points for getting one, but if you get two, then not so good. Um, they throw a bit of spice into the mix because some people want them and some people really, really don't. Um, so you can kind of decide whether to harm the or harm someone else. Um, yeah, I, I quite like it for what it does. It's not, it's not going to be groundbreaking but if you want something silly in between games at the end of the night or at the beginning of the night it's one of those kind of good five to ten minute silly games and also one of those that you can it's so small you can just kind of lob it in the bottom of a bag and you just get it out and go let me just show you this really weird game it's one of those um <laughs>
0: You know what it actually kind of reminds me of? It's probably in the same family, although like the mechanics are not what I mean, but I mean, in the same kind of bag spot as something like Nana, Yeah, which exactly. is a very light game. You're at first going to be like, let me show you this new game that I guarantee you've never kind of played anything like it before. But at the same time, you're going to have some groups where they're going to now play that game like every week. They're going to be like, can you show us that one game again? I want to play that game again because that was just silly. I want, I want that. And then you're going to have some people bounce hard off of it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, no, I don't want to play that game again. It's in that kind of vein of very light game in which you can bring to some people, they'll love it, you bring to some people and they might not like it, but overall you're going to have a silly time no matter who you're playing with.
1: Yeah, I don't really see it landing particularly well if you turn up to like an 18xx night and then we're like, right, we're now we're going to play Lost <laughs> Penguin. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think that would work. Um, but yeah. Um like the other one, it probably would blend quite well with children, but I don't know how that would work in that their hands and their fingers are smaller than ours. So they might be at a bit of a disadvantage there.
0: <laughs> I actually thought about this. And I was thinking if you were going to do a kids' variant of it, the adults can only play with one hand.
1: Okay. Whereas the kids
0: can play with two hands and then you don't actually like the adults still need to play with the rule of you need to be able to flip the top card. Yeah. But the kids can like not. Yeah. It's just like ways to do it that way. The two hand versus one hand was the way that I thought to fix that.
1: Yeah. I suppose you could also allow the kids to scooch the card across the table a bit more and bring it closer to the deck and say the adults can't. Uh, There's definitely ways to house rule it around that, but. Yeah, otherwise it's going to be a bit unfair if someone's got massive long spider fingers and then there's like a kid with tiny little sausage fingers is not really going to work. Well, I'm
0: an adult with tiny little sausage fingers and I lost by a lot, so I can feel the kid's pain. But that is Last Penguin. It is designed by Murayama Kenta, the artist by Hamamura Masa, and it's published by Netiverse. All right, so that is the end of the first half. If you are just interested in game reviews, then, I mean, thank you so much for listening today. Arigato gozaimashita. Please follow the links down in the show descriptions if you want more. But if you are interested in more information about the Tokyo Game Market boxes, or you didn't listen to our previous episode about it and you're just like, what are you talking about? Tokyo Game Market boxes? What, what is going on? Well, this second half of the episode is for you because now we pretty much have like all the information set in stone. And this is called planning while on the show because we are professional podcasters and don't need to do any kind of planning beforehand. So uh, Ben, if it's okay with you, I think we snake draft this. I think we snake draft some questions about it. And Mm -hmm. um, we do it where one of us will ask a question to the other person, the other person will answer, and then they can ask a question back. Sound good to you? Yep. Sounds good to me. All right, cool. Well, I think that uh, you are the guest, so you can choose. Do you want to ask first or do you want to answer first?
1: Um, I'll answer first.
0: Answer first. All right, cool. Well then, hey, first question, probably the most important question. What is the Tokyo Game Market Box?
1: Okay. So, um, the Tokyo Game Market Box, um, was an idea that I came up with basically as a fair way to distribute those extremely rare and very short printed games um so that I didn't just list them on the shop and they all got skimmed off and then everyone's left with whatever's left this way everyone's got an equal chance to get those hard to get games uh, also there's a few signed ones and bits and bobs there and then from there I kind of went down a rabbit hole um so um I dragged in uh Eric um to help with conversing with uh, people in Japanese to try and get more designers more publishers on board to send us more games getting kind of the promotional materials pho- like photographs all sorts of bits and bobs uh to try and basically bring a small slice of that tokyo game market to you inside a box um we did originally want to do snacks in there but then i got scared of being sued by people having allergies so uh we abandoned that idea but we've since replaced it with various other um interesting bits and bobs like badges, stickers, um, all sorts. There's there's plenty of surprises still to come. So um you can look forward to those. But basically, we then started making these three different size boxes. Um, we then narrowed it down to different types of games that people wanted. So uh Tokyo Game Market's quite famous for having lots of trick takers, climbers, and shedders. So we had a trick-taking, climbing, and shedding box. Um We've got a variety box for people who just want to experience what kind of games you can get from Tokyo Game Market. And um, we have a family box for something, uh, yeah, a bit more family-orientated, which might have a bit more kind of that dexterity element to it, or kind of simple card games or that kind of thing. uh, That You can get to the table with your family. We've got translations for rules. So these have been sourced from uh, various places around the internet, but also anywhere we can't source them. Uh, Eric has been helping out to try and translate those into English so that when they arrive in your box, you haven't got to sit and wait around for them to um, be translated. You haven't got to faff around with Google Lens or that kind of thing. Um, It should all just be ready to go, Um, which I think is in some ways better than going to the actual Tokyo game market where you're kind of buying based on, that looks cool, I'll buy that. (laughs) And then you get home and find out, oh it needs 5000 paste ups and it's <laughs> incredibly difficult um even though it looks really cute um so that was kind of the idea of it really um and yeah we went down that rabbit hole and now we have many many boxes of tokyo game market games so in um kind of preparing these boxes i mean we've we've spent months doing it now i think um what have been kind of the highlights of your um kind of communications with people from Tokyo game market, those kind of things. Um, has anything stood out in that kind of setting it up? Oh
0: that is a really good question. I think so many of them are excited to get their games outside of Tokyo. I think that I've talked a little bit about this in various videos, various podcasts before of like the limited amount of money that people have to do these print runs or to market their games, whatever it might be. And so when, uh, I'm sure you got it too, when you emailed them, but when I'd email them, I'd be like, okay, working for a game shop in the UK and we want to like kind of source these games for different people around the world. It was kind of like, you want my game? Like, you know, I'm like not famous, right? Or this is just a little game that's going to be like 15, 20 bucks. I wasn't really expecting anybody to want this. Is that okay? You sure that's okay? I actually got one response from a designer who was kind of like so shy about it that they're like, are you sure? Because I can direct you like we have big game companies in Japan, like Sashi and Sashi and Oink. And I was just like, yeah, I know. I want your game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so it was always kind of cool. And I think it'd be hopefully the boxes, um, some of them were able to uh send pictures that we'll put in the in the boxes of like, you know, they were so like, thank you for playing our game, kind of thing. We're the design team behind this one that's coming in your box. Like, I can't believe it. Thank you so much for playing our game. Um, so it's 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 really cool because even though the Uh, boxes are made to be experienced boxes for people not from Japan to kind of get a sense of Japan. It's like just that humbleness is one of the things I wasn't expecting people to be able to get. And they're kind of getting it because some of the designers are just so excited for an English speaking audience to be able to play their game.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I found as well. I mean, there's the designer for trick dumpling who also did quite, quite corrupt ducks a little while ago. Um, he's, he's been lovely. Um, but, um, he hand makes all of the games in little dumpling boxes. And um, we've just started like, we started conversing over the games in the first place, but um, I now chat to him most, like probably once every couple of weeks. And he's just, yeah, so appreciative of his game being um, shown outside of Korea in his case. Um, But just also incredibly pleasant to deal with, um, which is, it's it's just nice um, to be honest. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, And I think it's nice to see those kind of very early game designers um, and give them a bit of encouragement um, that they weren't expecting. And yeah, hopefully it encourages them to make more good games. So. Yeah, hopefully.
0: But now it's my turn to ask, and you know, I think you, as a listening audience, are going to kind of notice probably the questions that we're asking each other because you know Ben's going to be a lot better to answer questions more about like the actual like shop and shipping portions of boring it. Boring
1: logistics, yeah, yeah,
0: logistics <laughs> side of it. You're no, no, it's not, it's not boring. <laughs> uh, you are UPS, but you know, not. <laughs> um, but isn't isn't it UPS? They used to have those commercials of like we love logistics or something like that. I don't I know. Do you know. <laughs> Uh, It's probably a U.S. thing. But uh, my question to you is actually a very simple one.
1: Um, When should we expect the boxes? Um, So the boxes will be available to buy um, on Friday, the 26th of January. Um, at Between 6 and 7 p.m. is when I'm planning on uploading them. Um, We had a look at the times for all around the world, and that kind of works for everyone so that people shouldn't be at work, whether you be in America or in Europe or... Uh so it kind of works for the majority of the people who've signed up for notifications on the website. Um saying that, if you haven't signed up for notifications uh for the launch, you can still do that. You just go onto the website, click Tokyo Game Market um boxes in the top, and then it'll say that they're out of stock. That's because we haven't launched them yet. If you click on it, select the box you want, type your email in. As soon as they get listed, it will drop you an email and that will allow you to grab one of those boxes if you want. Um, it also gives I'll put us that a in the of, show description.
0: I'll put the link in the show description so that you don't need to like go
1: and search it. Just click on the show description. Yeah, it also allows us to pre-make a few of those boxes in the right sizes and right flavors, uh, which is really helpful. So, yeah. Um, and then they'll ship out. Um, some will ship out immediately, but due to the volume, it might take me a little bit of time over that week. Um, there are a couple of games which are still in transit or stuck in customs at the moment um so if you're assigned one of those it might take a little bit longer but if you are assigned one of those i will drop you an email personally and just say the game i intend to put in your box is stuck in customs at the moment i'll send it on as soon as i can or would you like it swapping for something else um knowing what is stuck in customs you probably want to wait (laughs) That's the key thing there um subtle him um yep yep
0: Some big, some bigger, some of the bigger name ones are definitely in customs or still in route for one reason or the the other. But I know that I'm not supposed to ask back to back questions, but you mentioned something that I think is really important. And so I want to just hit on it while you were talking. You were talking about like shipping out to people like, hey, we're doing it at six to seven. So people around the world shouldn't be at work when this is launching. And that's important. It's not just for UK or European customers, but we also do know that. If you are getting it shipped to the United States, to South America, anywhere, North America, South America, it's going to get expensive. So Ben, what can we do for people who are getting their mystery boxes, who are interested in getting mystery boxes, but live somewhere where it's really expensive to get it shipped there? Yeah. Like North America, South America, Australia.
1: Um, So the best thing you can do is if you drop me a message either over email Facebook or Instagram will probably do the job as well. Um, and just say I'm intending on buying whatever size box it is. Um, I, can, I live in this location. I can give you a rough price. Um, so if um, I can send you a voucher beforehand so that you can reduce the shipping cost to its actual cost, I will. Uh, if not, and you're in a bit of a panic because they've just been released and you want to grab one, uh, the international shipping for everywhere is just set at a flat um, £19. So if you were from Europe, for example, and you've contacted me in advance, there'll be a voucher that will reduce that down to the correct price for your country. Um, I can't do that retrospectively, unfortunately, so you do need to drop me a quick email. Um, If it's somewhere around that price, then we're just going to keep it as that to make life easier. If it's significantly more than that, or you add more games to it and send it way over the weight limit... Um, I'll contact you to work out what the cheapest way of shipping it to you is. It might increase the cost. We might have to split it into two boxes. Um, But just being completely open, I don't make anything on the shipping. I just try and make it as cheap and as safe for you as possible. Um, And if it's going to be traveling, well, all the boxes are treated exactly the same. They're like packed with lots and lots of packing peanuts, lots of paper. Uh, They're well taped, so they should survive whatever the courier like throws at it pretty much. So um, yeah, they're not going to be rattling around as they travel across the world.
0: All right, so you got that. I'm consistently cheating because I just think your your answers are just going to be much more important than mine, which um, you were talking about that you could throw kind of multiple things in boxes. I know that a couple of people were wondering about combining orders, especially like if they're abroad, like something like, let's say a couple of people from the U.S., in the portland area i don't know why i picked portland have no clue um (laughs) want to combine orders and get it into one big box can that be a thing
1: is it limited to one per person um no it's not um unless anyone's been particularly silly and trying to buy the entire tokyo game market in one go at the expense of everyone else not being able to get anything yeah no Um, scalping yeah basically um we're trying to avoid that but if you do want to put in an order for multiple ones and share the shipping um the best thing to do is just drop me an email beforehand so that I know that's what you're doing and it looks sensible basically um but yeah we the whole reason why these boxes were created was to try and make things fair so in the spirit of that you know if someone's ordering a couple of boxes and they're doing it joint with their friends that's fine um if they order the entire stock in one go that might be a bit more questionable um but yeah um
0: so is there i know you said that it's like you know just don't go crazy about it is there any kind of limitations or anything we should know about if we combine orders
1: yeah so the best best way to think about it is uh, insurance wise for your parcel the maximum insurance i can get on an international parcel is 150 pound uh, sorry 250 pound um so therefore you could order two mega boxes and that would all fit into one package with one set of insurance if it went over that then we might want to start looking at putting it in more packages um so um perhaps order them in twos if you want to place a really big order for a big group of people contact me in advance and we can have a look into other shipping options um where we can bundle it together and increase the insurance but um that would be a bespoke quote so that takes a little bit longer um so we you know set aside those games and work it out at that point um so yeah a little bit notice is is ideal in those particular cases otherwise keep it try and keep it under 100 under 250 pound when in doubt talk it out just ask communicate (laughs) um that's but you know, I'm happy to chat with people about games, and if I can get them to you as cheap as possible, that's what I'm aiming to do. So, once you um, received your Tokyo Game Market box, um, is there anywhere you can discuss it? Post unboxing videos. I know some people have been very excited to uh, even to start recording unboxing videos, and they haven't even received it yet because we haven't posted them out yet. Um, not <laughs> talking about anyone, Penny. <laughs> um. <laughs> but um yeah so some people want to do on some unboxing videos people are already excited to see what they've got in the boxes um we can share it you know on standard social media things but we thought uh, is there anywhere we can post where like-minded people can you know talk about what they got trade what they didn't not might not want so much or trade so that they can play more of the toko game market games
0: Yes, we have channels set up in the Board Game Dojo server specifically for this. So we will have uh, we have channels for questions regarding the Tokyo Game Market boxes. If you still have questions after this episode comes out, please go and do it there. You can discuss it. Um, I think it's an important part is to either, um, you know, trade the games that you maybe don't want, but. Also, um, ask questions about certain rules. Uh, I'm only doing translations for certain games that don't have one that was published by the design team. And not to say that like my translations are going to be perfect, but you can definitely tell that like some of these were definitely not done by a professional translator. Um, for the most part, they're pretty good for the most part they work, but this is another place to, Hey, Um, you know, I got this game. I'm not really sure if the rule means this or this. What does everybody else think that this means? And you can discuss it there. So it's an entire community that can answer those questions, trade, and just talk about games in general. We have plenty of other channels to discuss other things that aren't Tokyo game market on the board game dojo server. And I will put a link to that in the show description. Um, I guess, you know, I think, you know, we're getting a little bit long in the tooth here. I don't know if that's what that phrase means, but <laughs> we're getting a little bit long on an episode here. But I think I am going to just ask one more question, and that is, what have you really learned in this process? Because I think that this is like this has been a process that's it, been undertaken, undertook by for what four months,
1: five months. Started October, I think. So yeah, oh, okay, it's been so a while. three months. It feels a while. Well, um, what have you learned? What have I learned? Um, machine translation doesn't always mean what it says it means, um, very much <laughs> so. <laughs> um, translating some rules has led to some very interesting, um, results, um, which then makes you question when I message someone with, um, machine translating Japanese, uh, is this actually saying what I think it says? Um, yeah, which highlights the importance of, uh, working with Eric to kind of convert along that um the other thing that i've kind of learned is it's something i've been learning over a lot of years to be honest is just to if you want to do something just ask like the worst they can do is ignore you or say no and you've not lost anything um so just in in doing that has has been a big part of it um i mean we've got over 60 games now for the tokyo game market boxes. Which is a lot of games, um, and if everyone had responded to it, we'd probably be like hitting about a hundred by now.
0: Oh, I'd so, say well over that, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, there's there's as many like ignores and no's and people who've ghosted as there is yeses, um, which is just the nature of things. Maybe they ran out whilst they're at taking game market. And printings aren't very big on a lot of these things anyway. Uh, maybe they just didn't want to deal with my terrible machine translation. Who knows? Yeah, it's it's been interesting and generally a very pleasant experience, to be honest. People have been very excited and he- helpful and friendly. So um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and hopefully, if they work um, and people like them, then we'll be doing it again. Um, Ooh, we'll foreshadowing. Ho- foreshadowing, yeah. Although... Spring might be a bit of a quieter affair because I'm in Japan. <laughs> so um, it it might be some smaller boxes um, and we'll go from there, but I'll try and do something. Um, what I have noticed, I'm rambling a bit now, but this is quite an interesting thing I've spotted. So in preparing for these Tokyo Game Markets, I've bought most of the Tokyo Game Market catalogs going back to about 2018. 2017 something like that and what you'll notice when you look at them is the spring one is about a third of the size of the wind of the fall one and when you look through them in a bit more detail the games that were at spring generally reappear in the winter as well so the winter seems to have yeah like three times the amount of games in it and also contains many reprints of the spring stuff anyway so um certainly going forwards if it is successful this time the winter one is probably the bigger range of games that we'll get um but we'll see um yeah i think that answers the question with a bit of a detour. so how about you um
0: for me i think the biggest thing has just been working together with someone which sounds weird But most of my jobs until then is very like project based where it's just like do this. And then I was left to my own devices to do it for like a couple months. Or it's just like when I'm a teacher, hey, teach English, do it however you want. This is like, okay, it's a very like solo venture. But throughout this time, like, of course, there's some things that like only I could do or only you could do. But every single step of the way has been like us both discussing and bouncing ideas off of each other. And it's just been such like a good partnership of things of like, okay, you know, what games are we going to go for? Um, You know, have you heard back from this designer or this designer? You know, have they given you any things here? What should we call the boxes? How do we describe the boxes? Those are just like little things, but it's just like, usually I'm left to my own devices to be like, okay, this is what we're going to name the boxes. But every single step of the way has just been, you and me working together and it's been kind of a fun new experience for me Uh, so working with somebody has been
1: good yeah the name of the boxes is actually an interesting one because originally i wanted to call them dojin boxes didn't i and then Mm -hmm. we discussed it and went that might not like from our side yes that makes sense because we call a lot of the japanese small box games dojin games and we don't and we think of it as kind of a positive maybe slightly quirky thing um, whereas it's not taken quite in the same way over in Japan. So if we went to a designer and went, we would like to import your Dojin game, they'd probably, they could be quite offended by that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, because
0: you're basically, I mean, like for some, it'd be like, yes, I am a Dojin publisher. That is all I am at the moment, and that's kind of why I, I was originally also going to do more stuff on the YouTube channel that was like a Dojin spotlight, but it's like, ooh, no, we should probably say indie. That's a lot less. Um, it can't really be taken derogatorily. Yeah, um, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but we've, we've had like lots of these kind of discussions. So, because we don't want to accidentally, well, I, I don't want to fall accidentally into any pitfalls that I don't know about and offend anyone. Um, just, yeah. Um, so we've avoided most of those, touch wood, I think. I hope. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really pleasant experience, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can build it. And hopefully if from the other side as well, rather than us chasing down the designers, maybe in the future they might have heard about what we're doing, and maybe they'll come to us as well, and it might be a bit more of a mixing rather than a chasing, <laughs> I think. That would be quite nice, but um Yeah. Well, that
0: is going to do it for our episode today. If anything that we have here you want some clarification on or you just want to get into the discussion or, you know, anything like it, please join the Board Game Dojo uh, Discord channel. I will put the link in the show description below. Both Ben and I are basically always there. Um, So if you have any questions, your questions will be answered very quickly. We will definitely always be on there on release day and this weekend. So any of your questions will be promptly answered answered well thank you so much for joining us and thank you ben for taking the time out of your day to join us and answer some questions and talk about some games uh and to the audience thank you so much for joining us today (laughs) arigatou gozaimashita until next time (laughs) ne.